Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning we're going to pick up in our study of the book of Ephesians. So turn with me once again to the book of Ephesians. And I know uh, sometimes it can be a little uh, tedious to keep going through a book of the Bible this way, but it's the only way that we really understand and comprehend fully what the Scripture that we have may have read all of our life, uh, or and that's a... A facetious term, uh, you know. We can't. We're not born reading, so we ha- couldn't have read it all of our life. But you know what? I, what most people mean uh, from throughout uh, Sunday school and uh, through grade school and and upwards, we've read uh, this these passages of scripture. If you're a student of the Word and read through uh, the scripture every year, you may uh, uh, breeze through this. This passage, Ephesians, is so short you can read the whole book in in uh, one sitting. It's it's easy enough. It's only uh, maybe a, a a couple of hours of of reading straight through at the most, and uh, and so it's it's a very short book in terms of of length. But there's so much. Uh, meaning so much significance. I mean, that would be like re- reading the book of Romans uh, and just breezing through and not thinking about what it actually says. And so, uh, I want to, and we, and we're so quick to go to sections that we're thrilled to know and thrilled to study the scriptures about uh, in Ephesians about the armor of God and all that kind of thing. Uh, it, those captivate us, but we need to understand and know what Paul's full intent is or the Holy Spirit's full intent in uh, um, inspiring Paul to write these words. And so we have looked at, just as a way of reminder, because it's been a couple of weeks since we were in this study, uh, we looked at the first couple of chapters of the book of uh, Ephesians, and the book, and chapters 1, 2, and 3 tell us uh, what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be a Christian, what does it mean to, uh, to, to have uh, uh, this relationship to God, and, and, and being a Christian in today's society and world, we need more than ever to be reminded that being a Christian is more than just simply walking the aisle and shaking the pastor's hand and and being uh, here to uh, to talk to, to people and and putting your name on the roll and those kind of things. Uh, being a uh, being a, a child of God, being a uh, a Christian means so much more. We talked about in the first couple of chapters how. Uh, uh, God lays out His plan for us, and God uh, planned a, a way for us to be redeemed from the beginning of time, before time ever existed, that God predestined to to have us back in a right relationship with Him because God understood and knew before creation was made that, that man would sin. And, and, and that begs the question by some philosophers and some uh, 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 theologians, why did God even put uh, the... Uh, the tree 
idea of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden so that uh, in such an easy place for Adam and Eve to sin? Why, why is it that God even gave us a choice? But, uh, uh, and through that discussion and through that understanding, we realize that without a freedom, a free will to, to choose God and to love God, it, it, it's meaningless. It, it means nothing. It's as if we're robots. And God wanted us to, to choose and to choose freely to love Him and, and to have that relationship. And we talked about predestination and how uh, you have to have... Uh, uh, God understood and knew what was going to happen, but there must be free will so that we can choose that, that relationship for that relationship to have significance. God could have made us uh, without sin and to never have the opportunity to sin, to have the ch- never have the choice to sin. But then what are we then if we don't have that that choice, that freedom to choose to uh, to live as we should, and and to live in that love. That love means nothing if we're forced and coerced to love God uh, without choice. And so we understand and know that God chose us from the beginning of time. That that He uh, chose us, and also uh, that He in the present time He is redeeming us, and He is making us in the image of Christ, and He is transforming us in that walk with Christ and in that uh, time in which we are uh, saved and, and we have a relationship with Jesus Christ begin and between that time and the time that we're taken home to be with the Lord in heaven uh, when we pass away uh, that is the time in which God is is not just simply twiddling his thumbs and sitting back and saying uh, well you're not really ready yet or, or anything like that no it's time in which God is is using uh, working in our lives to redeem us to uh, change us to transform us and, and and that's why we can come to know Christ and not have to to be perfect before we come to know him that we come as we are we come uh, sinned and flawed and and fallen and corrupted in sin and God comes and takes us and cleans us off and and wipes away all the sin but God doesn't just stop there God doesn't just uh, stop with the spring cleaning or or that cleaning cleansing of the blood of Christ God doesn't just stop there he begins to then work within us from the inside out to change us and to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ and so we're redeemed we're made like Christ and when we get to heaven when we're in his presence we will be like Christ Uh, we'll have a, a, a understanding of righteousness and how we need to live in righteousness in perfection but in the time between uh, the time that in which we accept Christ and the time that we're in His presence, God is working to change us, to transform us, to redeem us, to make us into the image of Christ that we need to be. And so uh, it's a long walk. For some of us, it's a longer walk than others. Uh, and uh, for many of us, it is time in which God is working and changing and molding us into uh, the perfect creation that He desires for us to be. And then lastly, we also understand that in the future that we are uh, uh, to gain the inheritance of Christ. That inheritance is that we have a relationship with God as not a, uh, a slave, but rather as a member of the family that we gain the inheritance of Jesus Christ and that we gain that inheritance uh, because of the transformation that has been made. We're no longer a slave that is bound by sin 
But we've been freed, not just freed, but we've been changed from that slave into a, an heir with Christ. And, and what a wonderful thing that is to see God's plan uh, develop and move in us. So then he changes gears in chapter 4 of, of Ephesians and he begins to, to help us to understand from chapter 4 on it's about how to apply that. How do we... How do we live that out? How do we live as Christians? If we understand and know God's plan, if we understand and know what God is doing in our life, if we understand and know uh, God's uh, design for us, then how do we implement that in our life? How do we walk each and every day in our daily life? How do we live that life? Because for some of us, so many of us, uh, and myself included, we ch- are challenged day in and day out how to live as Christians, how to live as we should, how do we live not just as a Christian, but how do we live in a, as a Christian in a sinful world? What do we do uh, when the world uh, places up all of these objections to the way in which we believe and the way in which we live our life? What do we do? What, and, and Paul talks about the practical application of living and uh, our life beginning in chapter 4 with this earnest plea. And we, uh, we started uh, out looking at this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and I want to remind you again of this important passage of Scripture. It starts in chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness and with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we look at this passage of Scripture and we, uh, uh, I want to focus on the first couple of verses here again uh, because we, there's so much packed in here. And, and, and first of all, I want to say that, that uh, we, we many times ask ourselves, what, why is it so important that we understand these things? Why is it so important that, that we study these things and, and have a clear understanding? Why is it that, that Paul is sitting here saying, I beseech you, brethren, I implore you. I, uh, in, in essence, this word means uh, that Paul is begging us. He's begging us to understand what is going on in our life. He says uh, at the end of chapter 3, he says, uh, he says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bind my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that ye, uh, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might and the spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And so Paul here begins his letter in Ephesians chapter 1 uh, with a prayer. Say He prays that God would help us to understand 
the mystery that God has laid upon His heart to share with us. And God's Spirit moved Paul to, to not only begin with a prayer, but also to in the middle... To, to utter another prayer, this prayer here that I just pray uh, that I just read, and he says, "Now that you know the mystery, he says, I pray that God will help you to understand and comprehend that you'll be able to understand and know the breadth and the depth and the length and the, and the uh, the hope uh, that is found in Christ Jesus the, that you might understand the great uh, uh, overwhelming uh, understanding of what it means to dwell in Christ, to live and to be rooted in that love, to be uh, and and see. There's so many people in our world today that they come to church, they they feel the pressure from their family or other people to to come and make a personal statement of uh, belief in Jesus Christ, and submit. So many times people come and 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 join a church and and make a statement of faith, not really realizing or knowing what it means, and not really understanding or knowing what what is is it's all about. And so for so many of them, they they're just doing what's expected of them rather than uh, truly having a relationship or knowing and understanding that love and accepting that love. And Paul says, I want you not just to comprehend what is happening. I want you to be able to apply it to your life, to be able to understand it and to adapt it and to make and make it a part of your life. And he says, uh, he says, and, and, and my hope and prayer is, is that you would Understand this great, deep, deep uh, understanding that you might have the great riches of God's glory in your life and be strengthened and that you might have the Spirit of God living within you so that you might be able to walk and live and according to, uh, to God's desire. And so this is Paul's prayer right before we get to chapter 4. And remember, uh, Paul didn't write these, uh, this scripture with all of these verses and, and chapter breaks in there uh, those were added much later to help us to reference things this was all just a, one big letter and Paul is writing at this point in his letter saying I'm praying that God will help you to understand this I'm praying that God would help you to comprehend it because it is so meaningful it is so important and it is it is so profound and then he goes on to beg that they apply it to their life. He, his desire is, is that now that you understand and know what it is to be a Christian, please now understand that you've got to do more than just simply go through the motions like so many people do, like I was talking about a minute ago. But that we have to actually live it, that we have to actually believe it, that we have to actually... Uh, incorporated into our life and it, it means something. It means something for us to understand this stuff. Case in point, turn with me for a brief moment to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Now, uh, all of you know what the book of Proverbs is. It's there beside uh, the book of Psalms uh, and it's uh, before Ecclesiastes. Proverbs chapter 7 and, and uh, Proverbs is uh, a set of instructions. It's wisdom from, uh, primarily it's wisdom from Solomon uh, for uh, those who would come. And Solomon was blessed of God with a, an opportunity to, to have anything that he desired to 
God said, I'll, I'll give it to you if you just let me know what it is that you want me to, to give you. And of course, Solomon was a, a young man uh, coming to the throne of his father David, and, and he felt so overwhelmed. And, and for whatever reason, it, uh, I, I believe it was the inspiration of the Spirit of God in his life. Uh, he said, uh, God, I, I want to have great wisdom. And God said, look, you could have, you could have chosen great wealth. You could have uh, chosen victory over all your enemies. He says, but you've chosen so wisely. You chose wisdom because you desire to lead your people. And, and uh, so God said, I'll give you all of that. I'm going to give you great wealth. I'm going to give you uh, great and tremendous power within the world and victory over your enemies. And I'm going to give you a long life. Uh, but, in, uh, but most importantly, I'm going to give you my wisdom. And, Paul, and Solomon, excuse me, uh, Solomon uh, understood and knew so many things that we don't understand because of this great wisdom that God gave him. And he wrote them, uh, wrote so many things down so that we would have a way of understanding and, and holding on to some of this great wisdom. And in and, and Proverbs chapter 7, uh, Solomon is trying to help persuade his family to understand and know the need for wisdom in their life, to understand and know uh, uh, not just by rote. And we were uh, Nick and I were talking about this morning about how it, it, how important it is for us to do more than just simply know things that we know in Sunday school. Sunday school is so important. It's a time for us to sit down and debate and to talk about issues and and to dive uh, deep into uh, discussions about so many things in Scripture. But for so many people, that's as far as they get. They never get any further. They study it, if, if, if at all, uh, before coming to church or, or they read through it in Sunday school class and, and they discuss it then and, and talk about it. And then by the time they get to worship or by the time they go home, it's forgotten. It's no longer there. Uh, and and uh, I, I was telling uh, 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 Christina that, that uh, as she was doing a project for school that you have to understand and know not just the right answer from Sunday school. You need to understand and know how the uh, that theology is written out. Why, why is it that we believe the, the things that we believe? Why, why is it that we have this understanding of God? Uh, is it just simply because uh, what somebody else told us that we need to believe? No, we need to understand and know how that person got to that point in uh, the study so that they that we too can understand and know why it is that we believe uh, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin how is it that we know and understand that Jesus Christ is the substitutionary uh, 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 payment for our sins that he and he alone is the one who is able uh, those things are just words if we can't explain to someone else that has no understanding of Scripture, no understanding of, of God's Word, no understanding of, of the background that we have in God's Word if we don't understand and know why it is that we believe what we believe. <coughs> Excuse me. And so Solomon is saying, look, you need to have great wisdom. You need to have an understanding of what uh, is happening. And he gives a situation. He says, uh, he gives a warning. 
and he uses an analogy of a of a strange woman, a woman that is a uh, that that uh, dresses up in flattering clothes, and and she's uh, there in the city uh, trying to lure people away. Look at verse five. It says. Uh, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. He's talking about wisdom, understanding wisdom and, and understanding, he says, uh, will keep you from the strange woman, uh, from the stranger that flatters with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement. He's saying, I was sitting in my house and I looked out the window and behold, among the simple ones, he's, he's talking about people that are without wisdom, people that that simply just aren't, uh, uh, willing to learn, people that aren't desiring to learn. He's saying it's not just somebody that is uh, is is feeble. He's saying it is someone who is uh, uh, desiring completely to be uh, in not in the know, not having wisdom. He says, "I looked out the window and I ho- I saw." Uh, the simple ones, and I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. He didn't have a clue is, is basically what he's saying. Verse 8, And passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way of her house. He says, this guy, that simple guy, without any understanding, is passing by her home. And he says in verse 9, And in the twilight, in the, in the evening, in the black of the dark of night, and behold, there met a woman with the attire of a harlot, and subtle of heart, and she is loud and stubborn, and her feet among abide not in her house. And now is she without, not in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner, so that she called him and kissed him, and with an imp- a prudent face said unto him, I have a peace offering with me this day, have I paid my vows. Therefore come I uh, came I therefore to meet thee diligently to seek thy face and I have found thee and I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry and with carved works and with fine linen of Egypt and I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon she's making uh, she's put pouring out the the uh, sales pitch she says look I've done everything I need to do I've I've made my vows i've paid my sacrifices i've cleaned up the house i've put uh rose petals on the bed i've put perfume out i've made uh sure that all the dust bunnies are cleaned up and everything and everything looks spotless and everything is so pretty and here comes the pitch she says i've come out here and i've decked everything out he said she says in verse 18 Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves uh, with loves, for the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey, and he hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at a day appointed. Uh, and with much speech she made him yield. And... Uh, uh, with the flattering of her lips and the force of her tongue. So what has happened is, she says, look, my husband's gone on a long journey. He's taken a pile of money with him and he's going to be gone for a long time because he's got plenty of cash in his in his bag and he's not going to be home for a long time. Come on inside and lay down with me and we'll make love all night long and until the morning hours and then through the day tomorrow. My husband's not coming home. Come on, I'm ready. And she's kissing him and she's luring him 
And that's exactly, Solomon says, is what a young man is that's a simpleton. He sees and he hears the lure of uh, wickedness. He sees and hears the lure of the worldly ways. And so many of us miss the point. I want to say it right here before we get any further in this illustration. The point is not that wisdom will keep you from being lured. Wisdom will keep you from being trapped. She's just like a spider in a web. The Wisdom is not going to keep you from hearing the words. and Wisdom is not going to keep you from, from smelling the enticing perfume. Wisdom is not going to keep you from being kissed and, uh, and caressed and, and lured by uh, soft words. But what wisdom will do will help you to understand the danger that's there, the danger of the world, the danger of the things of this world. And so uh, Solomon completes this out and he says, look, he says, uh, this, this good man that, that hears these words, verse 22, and he go, goes after her straightway. Why? Because of her flattering lips and her forcefulness. He goes after her as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strikes through his liver and as a bird hastens to the snare knoweth and knoweth not that it is for his life. He says, listen, it is deadly not to be aware, not to have wisdom. And Solomon is saying, it is so important for us to understand and know wisdom and to have wisdom in our life because if we're not, we're going to be just like an ox led to slaughter a sheep going before the shears. Uh, we're going to be led astray and we're not going to know we're in danger until it's too late, until our life is being taken. And so he says it is so important, going back to Ephesians, it's so important that we understand and we know. He says, Therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He says, I want you to understand it is so important that I am so important that I am begging you. I'm down on my knees pleading with you to understand and know your calling, to walk worthy of your calling. Well, some might say, well, uh, maybe it's better that we just simply don't know. Uh, maybe it's better that we, uh, that we just simply just uh, go through life and not know these things rather than know them and be so responsible. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21 speaks of that opposite. He says, uh, verse 24, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than in the beginning. He says, look, uh, it's worse for you if you know and understand the the uh, the the importance of having a relationship and not knowing he says in verse twenty one he says for it had been better for them to not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them 
He says it's, it's so much better if you simply know the, what to do and to do it right than to know it and to turn away from God. It's so important that we understand and know what Paul is, is through the leading of the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us that we need to not only know we, we've placed in our society, in our world, so much on the importance of knowing the gospel. But now that you know, we need to, it should change the way that we live. It should change the way in which we uh, uh, go through our life. And so, um, uh, and in the book of James, James talks about uh, to know good and, and do it not is for us sin. And so we, uh, Paul is, is begging us. He says, I'm begging you, walk worthy. Walk worthy. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, uh, he says that we need to walk as Christ, have our daily walk. And, and that's what, what he's talking about here again is, is walk is a, a way of life. Of, of, if not, it's, it's, it's a word that means how you live your life. How do you live your life? Are you, are you a Christian here in church and, and a Christian uh, in Sunday school and around certain people, but then as soon as you're out of earshot of, of uh, some of the deacons or the pastor or, or other people in the church, does your uh, language change? Does your way of living change to that of the world? Are you a, a, a buddy drinker in the, in the local bars on Saturday night and, and carousing and, and doing all kinds of sinful things on Friday and Saturday and then, and then all of a sudden when, when Sunday comes, uh, you're all of a sudden uh, uh, the model Christian and the, and, the, and the Christian that's living a, a daily life of living uh, like you should and and listen, there, there's a lot of people that do that. There's a lot of people that think they can live like the world and then on Sunday be a saint. Oh, I've got forgiveness. I've got uh, grace like uh, Christina and I were talking about the other day. I've got grace. I can, I can do all the things that I want to do. I can live like the world and, and then I can, uh, uh, through the grace of God, He'll forgive me and I can turn and, and come to church on Sunday morning. It's just not that way. The Spirit of God in, uh, in inspiring Paul says we need to walk worthy of the calling that we have. We need to walk... Wor- we, we've been called into a right... Uh, we, we've been... Uh, that's like... Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the royal family over there in England is going through a lot right now, and, and they're going through uh, uh, a lot of grief right now because of the death of Prince Philip. And that brings up all kinds of, of uh, memories of, of life for uh, the queen and, and the prince uh, throughout their life. And they lived their life so uh, uh, stringently and, and su- in such a way because it was what it was expected of the royals. And, and, then, and then you come upon this current batch of, of royal people. And, and the problem is, is that the, the one that's going to ascend to the throne, uh, Charles, he lives a certain way, but uh, all the brothers and sisters that have no hope of being on the throne, well, uh, yeah, they're part of the royals, but they, they live their life uh, carefree and, and footloose and, and fancy-free, and, and they're doing all kinds of stuff that brings shame upon uh, the name 
because they're not going to be the king or the queen. And they think they can do whatever they want to and, and, and live however they want. And, and I guess to a point they can, uh, but it, it goes against everything of what uh, the family is striving to do to show how uh, the proper way to live a certain way. And, and as Christians, uh, we have a higher calling. We have a much higher calling of, uh, because we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to our sin. We're being changed. Remember what we talked about. We're being uh, transformed. We're being uh, 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 renewed by God. And, and, uh, and we're no longer living the old style and the old way of life when we were slaves to sin, but now we're being changed into the image of Christ. And, and Christ doesn't go around uh, living like the world and, and doing all the things the world does and sinfulness and, and doing all the things that the world says is okay and uh, shouldn't be a problem. And, and uh, Christ didn't do any of those things. Christ lived His life without sin. And, and God calls us to model that same lifestyle. And, and, and that's like a, a person that I knew a long time ago uh, when I held up a certain standard uh, of living that we're called to live, he came to me and he said, well, nobody is expected to be perfect. We, we're, nobody is perfect. We can't possibly expect anyone to live a perfect life. And I said, yes, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive Amen. for that kind of life. We, uh, that's like, I know it's wrong to go out here and, and rob a bank, but I'm not perfect, so I'm going to go over here and rob the bank anyway. They got a lot of money, and I, I want a lot of money. Uh, 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 I know it's not right to go out here and, and drive 90 miles an hour on the highway, but I, I'm late and I need to get to where I'm going, so I'm going to go ahead and drive 90 miles an hour. Nobody's expected to live perfect. No, we're supposed to live like Christ would live. Christ took our place on the cross and paid for our sins. And so now I'm taking the place of what of the life that Christ would live. In that he took my place. Now I'm trying to live like he would live. He took my place. So I'm going to try and take his place. I'm going to try and live like he lived so that I might be the image of Christ in this world. So Paul says, I beseech you, I implore you to walk worthy. And first of all, he says, I'm a prisoner. And, and I'm already out of time, so I'm going to just breeze through a little bit of this. He says, I'm a prisoner. He says, there's a great cost. There's a great cost. And he says, listen, you need to not just look at me in terms of, of me being a prisoner. As a, I'm not taking that and using it as an excuse on how I'm living. I'm not saying that I, I'm, my life is over because I'm a prisoner. He says, I'm a prisoner because of choosing to live my life according to the way that God calls me to live. And he says, there is a cost at times. There is a... Uh, uh, sometimes it means taking a stand that's not popular. Sometimes it means living like we, uh, the rest of the world does not live because it is the way in which Christ calls us to live. Secondly, uh, there is a maturity in Christ. Um, we need to, to mature in our relationship and, and our walk with Christ, not just simply uh, be in that walk and, and say, okay, uh, uh, there's a long time ago I... I uh, 
participated in this uh, thing called crop walk. It was a, uh, you were walking a marathon in order to be able to raise money to help with world hunger. And we were doing it through the streets of, of Charlotte. Now, I, I was young, so back then I ran. I, I mean, I actually could run, and uh, not like today. And so when the, the gun went off at the beginning, I was in that big crowd of people, and, and everybody started running, so I was running too. And, and before I knew it, uh, uh, there was a lot of people way ahead of me, but I was still keeping up with this group of people. We were all running, because, and I was running because they were running, and they were running probably because other people were running. And I wasn't a runner, but I was out there running, and I was, I was doing pretty good. And then I realized... I'm tired. <laughs> and I, I started to, to uh, slow down in my running. And, I, and, and uh, a little later, I, I, I decided, you know, this is a long way. I, I think maybe I'll, I'll stop running and walk some more. Uh, walk some. And, and at one point, it got to be where I, I'd forgotten my whole purpose in doing what I was doing. I was just out there having a ball in the streets, walking along. Like it was a, it was a Sunday afternoon, but uh, just walking around, along like it was, it was no big deal, and 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 I had forgotten my whole purpose and what I was doing. I was a young person; I had forgotten all that, and until I got to a certain point, and there were people out there clapping, and there were people encouraging us on, and everything. And then I realized that I, I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a thing. Listen, there's a lot of people in our Christian lives that do the same. They get saved. They get started. They're running along. They're they're doing good. They, they keep pace and everything. But the longer you go, the harder it is to keep going. Paul says we need to have maturity. We need to, our walk needs to be more than just simply a walk because this is, we're here and there's nothing else to do until God comes. No, we're on a walk and we need to grow and mature as we walk. And he says we need to walk from the perspective of God, with everything that we do from God's perspective. He says, therefore, I am a prisoner of God. I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness with long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. He says you need to, to grow in your maturity. You need to grow in your understanding of your walk. You need to walk not believing that you are all that in a bag of chips. You need to walk in meekness and loneliness because that's how Jesus lived His life. He lived His life in in. And meekness I used to think of as, as somebody that was limp-wristed and wasn't strong or anything, but meekness is the complete opposite. Meekness means, well, what is Jesus? He is God incarnate. He limited His power when all these people were spitting on Him and rebuking Him and slapping Him in the face and pulling out His beard as He was going to the cross. In meekness, He allowed all of that to happen. He had great power. He could have spoken them out of existence. He could have spoken the world and everything that is out of existence. And He said, enough! He could have said, I don't want to do this anymore. And He could have just wiped us all out with a single word because He has the power to create all with a single word. That's meekness. That is power under control. Great power restraining itself. 
We're called to have great maturity, to walk with God's perspective. And lastly, we're called who are we who who has called us? We're endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Therefore, there's one body, one spirit. Uh, we're called by God. Who called us into our relationship with Him? We didn't come into this by our own hand. We came into our relationship to Christ and our relationship to God in His power, in His beseeching us. We came because of His invitation. Who called us? God called us. And for that reason, we ought to live our life according to God's desire, according to His plan, not our plan. Because it is He who saved us. It is He who is redeeming us. It is He who has set the course before us. And it is He who has called us to walk according, worthy of our calling. You say, well, I can never walk completely worthy of my... I'm unworthy of His love. I'm unworthy of His grace. I'm unworthy... Yes, which should call us to strive even more to walk according to... to live each day according to His desire. To live and struggle each day to follow His desire. Striving to live for Him. So we know now all what it means to be a Christian. And now Paul is pushing us and pushing us to understand the things that are coming are not going to be easy. The instructions I'm about to give you are going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. There's going to be a struggle in your life. You're going to have difficulties in walking as a Christian, of being in the marketplace and being in the world and, and having people look at you in those key moments when all the rest of the world falls. We're to stand and to stand with strength and to stand with conviction, to stand in the love of God and to profess the name of Jesus Christ, to carry forth His Word. That's our calling. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and we love You. We thank You that You've given us a calling. Lord, help us to remember that it is You who has called us. It is You who has set before us the pathway in which we are to live. It is You that have set before us the noble walk that we should live. Lord, Father, we pray that You would help us as we seek to live for You, that we might live according to Your desire, that we would be Your people to live according to Your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.